Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, imagine that you have a friend who is very proud to be an American. And when this COVID-19 thing first came to his attention, he told everyone, I'm not at all worried. We have the best medical care in the world in our country. And as the cases started to mount up and things got more serious, still, he said, it's no big deal. We have fantastic doctors, nurses, and hospitals. We have scientists and engineers to solve our problems. And our public health system is the envy of every other nation. And when the deaths from the disease began to increase dramatically, he only increased his praise for everyone involved in taking care of our health. But he himself did nothing to take care of his health, or to take care for other people's health. He just kept doing everything just as he had done before, going where he usually went, touching what he usually touched, getting close to other people, and certainly never wearing a mask. What would you expect to happen with your friend? Well, he would be, at the very least, at high risk of getting the disease or, perhaps even worse, passing it on to other people. His great tribute to our medical care and to those who provide it would provide him no protection from the virus and no healing if he got sick. It sounds silly that anyone would do that. But thinking or acting this way is actually something that we humans, and yes, we Christians, often do. A husband tries to improve his marriage by complimenting his wife's beauty, cooking, intelligence, whatever, but never addresses the things that are actually wrong, her hurts, his errors, their struggles. A boss substitutes high praise at his employees' annual reviews for actually paying them what they are worth or doing the things necessary for them to succeed in their jobs. Or an employee on probation for poor performance showers sycophantic praise on the boss instead of actually improving the way he or she does the job. In our circles... We find Wells Lutherans who are quick to extol our orthodoxy and, and to uh, give thanks for our commitment to sound doctrine, but who themselves have little interest in actually knowing what the Bible teaches and applying it to the various stresses and struggles of their lives. This would be just a sign of foolishness or a character flaw, if not for the fact that we do this with God, too. It's one of the trickier impulses in our hearts because it takes something that is good and a response that is proper, praise, and uses it to cover up sin and rebellion or, or to avoid responsibility. We see this quite clearly in the crowd on Palm Sunday. It's not the only thing going on, but it is definitely part of the equation. 
All these people gather around, and this time they are not there just to see Jesus or to get something from him. They treat him like a king. They give him glory, laud, and honor. They shout, Hosanna to the Son of David, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Though they don't quite use the word, their quoting of the psalm and and the welcome they gave him meant that they were calling him their Messiah, the long-awaited King of the Jews. They were generous, even wild in their praise and devotion for Jesus. And yet, did that translate into having repentant hearts or actual faith in Jesus? No. They thought this was enough, apparently. Some of them undoubtedly followed Jesus around during the next few days to to see his miracles and to hear his teaching, but, but by the end of the week, they were nowhere to be seen. There's a good chance that some of them were even part of that other crowd, the one crying out, crucify him, crucify him, to Pontius Pilate on Good Friday. And even after Christ's resurrection and ascension, the group of believers in Jerusalem only numbered about 120, hardly anything compared to the crowd that lined the streets on Palm Sunday. Now, we would like to judge those people as both unworthy and atypical for their shallowness and their hollow praise. But you know what? Jesus didn't judge them that way. He accepted their praises without criticism. And in fact, he he defended them to the Pharisees when they protested that all that noise was unseemly. And we would certainly want him to accept our praises and defend us, too, when we treat him in similar ways. You know, it's not too hard to spot in others, especially in in days like these. People who who suddenly start saying all sorts of things about how great God is and, and how he always comes through for us in times of trouble, but who otherwise show no signs that they take God seriously in any aspect of their lives. It can be harder to spot in our own hearts. But it's there. The the readiness that we have to sing the happy hymns and, and confess the common creeds, but the unwillingness to confess our sins and and then actually to turn away from those sins and live as new creations in Christ. And that unwillingness is absolutely contrary to trust in Jesus for salvation because if we are not looking to him to forgive our sins and give us the righteousness that we lack, well, what good is our faith? Simply put, we cannot praise our way past the problem of sin. Jesus talked seriously about this in his Sermon on the Mount when he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. On the last day, there will be another crowd of people clamoring to be led into paradise, claiming that they belong there because they had acclaimed Jesus as Lord. 
but because they did not repent of their sins and actually put their trust in him, he will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. But on this day, Palm Sunday, Jesus is not yet so harsh. He accepts the praise that the crowds before and behind bring him. He does not reject it because he knows he is worthy of this worship and welcome. He is their Messiah, the Son of David, the King of the Jews, the Lord who saves, the one sent by God in the highest and therefore deserving of hosannas in the highest. In fact, we could imagine his disciples, his friends, his family, those those few who believed in him already, even though he understood very little of what was about to happen. We, we could imagine them saying, assuming that Jesus would agree, finally, finally these people, his people, they get it. Finally, they recognize and appreciate him for who he and what he is. Let's... Let's seize this moment and make it last and and, and grow this glory which is His due. But while Jesus accepted the Palm Sunday praises of the people, He was not satisfied with them. It was not what He came for. And if He had really wanted it, He could have commanded it all along. No, to have given in at this point and said, okay, this is it, we're done now, would have been to give in to the same temptation that Satan gave him in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. The temptation to take a shortcut to glory that did not include the cross. But as our reading today from Philippians 2 makes clear, Jesus was not interested in glory when there was something more important at stake, our salvation. He was determined to do something different. Though he was by nature God, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed, but he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant. When he was born in human likeness and his appearance was like that of any other man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ's majesty would wait until his mission was complete, because that was most important. Jesus came to serve us by offering his life up as the atoning sacrifice for our sins, for the sins of all people, of all times and all places. And so while he accepted the palms and praises on that Sunday, he did not stop. Instead, he rode on and carried on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and on into Friday when his sufferings increased to their climax, and he bled and breathed his last on Calvary. 
only after securing for us the forgiveness of our sins, only after defeating death and the devil by removing our guilt, only after robbing hell of its claim to us, and only after gaining us eternal life by rising from the dead himself on another Sunday, only then was it time for glory and exaltation. He would spend another 40 days with his disciples, and then he would return to the glorious throne that he had left behind in heaven. It was just as our hymn said of his Palm Sunday procession, ride on, ride on in majesty, in lowly pomp ride on to die. Bow your meek head to mortal pain. Then take, O Christ, your power and reign. Of course, in the end, All people will give Jesus the praise that he deserves, the glory that is due him as the Son of God and Lord of the universe, and the honor that is due him as the Savior of the nations and Prince of Peace. Again, this is what we read earlier from Philippians 2. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But for far too many, that praise on the day of judgment will will be grudging and full of regret because it is not accompanied by faith and will not gain them entry into heaven. We do not want to be in that number. Instead, we want to take the tribute that is in our hearts today and marry it to the the determination that Christ held in His heart. We want our praise for the One who solved our problem of sin to be matched with faith that actually embraces His solving that problem for us. And a faith that also abandons any attempt to solve it ourselves. And when we put our trust in Jesus, that happens. His heart meets our heart. And the Holy Spirit creates and nurtures saving faith within us. Not mere head knowledge or or grudging appreciation. Through the Gospel and the means of grace, this is how He does it. And those are the blessed tools that God has given us to to make sure that our tributes are never hollow, unwilling, or short-lived. Instead, the Scriptures and the sacraments of, of baptism and the Lord's Supper are powerfully used by the Spirit to bring us ever closer and closer to Christ and ever closer and closer to our own glorious destination by His side in paradise. And so we rejoice. We rejoice to see our King coming to us, righteous, humble, riding on a donkey. And we rejoice even more to know that He accomplished for us what He was determined to do for us. Bring us salvation. We praise Him And we confess our own confident and comforting faith. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Please rise.
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit.